Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, thanks so much for being here this morning. To those in our video teaching service, good morning. Every Sunday that you sit in a video teaching service, we are one Sunday closer to being back together in our church. It's really been an incredible 30 days at Journey. Three things that we're celebrating that have happened in the last 30 days at, at, at our church. One, obviously, is the building project that we introduced last fall. We moved into Christmas uh, trying to raise about $9 million to be able to start building this building this year um, so that we could, if you take the roof off of it, expand our auditorium so that we could all be together, have a, a big foyer atrium community space so that our church had time to be together and not in a rush on Sunday before, after, during church, uh, massively upgrading and expanding our children's facility. We announced on Christmas that uh, we raised not just what we needed, but actually more than that. And we hope to begin construction soon this week. Our building team, uh, all day Monday, was meeting with our architects. On Thursday, we're interviewing structural and um, plumbing and mechanical and electrical, electrical engineers. I mean, we are full speed now into this process. We're going to, once a quarter, try to give you some timeline updates as we understand those. But a huge victory for our church. Uh, two things that have happened just in the last two weeks. If you reach inside your bulletin, we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 19 today, by the way, if you have your Bible and you want to go ahead and turn there and pull out your notes, 2 Kings 19. We've got these two little cards we've been talking about for two weeks at our church, and we've had some incredible, what I call, movement in these, in these cards this year. We've said 2020 for our church, we want it to be a year of movement. We want people to be on mission spiritually. We announced, you'll see a red line through this card, 50-50-100 in 2020. First week of the year, it was a 50-50 card in 2020. We said we want 50 new people to sign up to volunteer in January, beginning February 1, to serve at least once a month. We want everyone in our church serving. Um, that need has been met. After two Sundays, 50 people have volunteered, so that one's off the board. We, don't, we won't talk about that anymore the first quarter, which is awesome. Um, we also said we need 50 people who normally go to the 9.30 a.m. service. The, you 9.30, we need 50 people in our 9.30 a.m. service to consider going to Summit Lakes at 9 a.m., and we need 100 people in our 11 a.m. service to consider going 30 minutes early to our 10.30 service at Summit Lakes. Right now, we've got 22 families, 22 families that have said, listen, if, if what our church needs right now to continue to serve our community is for me to go to another service, I will, if you would be willing and open to be a one-mile, 30-minute missionary, one mile away from here, 30 minutes on either side of the service or come to the 8 a.m. service, it would be huge. But we're out of seats on a normal Sunday at 9.30 and 11. So we're gonna keep going for two more weeks on this. We're praying that we'll get there. And then the other thing I'm celebrating, we begin our care groups in February. We announced these last week that we had our care groups. They were open, celebrate recovery, uh, divorce care, Grief Share, um, Financial Peace University. We're also starting two new classes this year, a marriage class for people who say, you know what, we need a little bit of a marriage refresher. Marriage is maybe a little harder than we thought it would be. Our marriage is a maybe a little drier than we thought it would be. Don't have a lot of time and money for counseling, but if we could go to like a Sunday school class during church um, that would help our marriage for eight weeks in March and April during our 9.30 a.m. service, we're gonna have a marriage class you can sign up for. And on Sunday nights, we have an apologetics class for people who wanna learn how to answer hard questions, defend their faith. That filled up in one week. We can't, you can't even sign up for that one anymore. That one's off the board. We were hoping to get 24 people in it. We've got almost 40 right now. So that class is closed. We'll be teaching systematic theology in the fall as part of our kind of directive to get a Bible Institute up and going. But that's huge that 40 people in our church have said, I want to learn how to answer hard questions so I can help people understand who Jesus is. So tremendous, tremendous movement in the last 30 days at our church with a building, um, with people on mission, with people saying, hey, I want to grow and learn. Folks, lean in. 
in 2020, lean in and take a step spiritually. Today, um, we're in week three of a series you heard Pastor Mike mention um, called Dear God. But we're going to be in 2 Kings 19. And in 2 Kings 19, I'm going to introduce you briefly, briefly to a king named Hezekiah. I say briefly because our entire month of February at Journey is about Hezekiah. Our, our whole sermon series in February is actually called Hezekiah. We're going to learn from the life of King Hezekiah how to walk with God, but we're going to get just a little bit of a teaser today about his faith because we're going to learn how he prayed today. So today is week three of a series named Dear God, but I want to introduce you to Hezekiah because we're going to spend the entire month of February with him, and I'm really, really excited for you to meet Hezekiah. Um, Just to kind of catch you up on the goals of this series, here's what we're hoping to accomplish. By February 1, it's my goal that everyone in our church knows how to pray, that everyone in our church wants to pray, that everyone is transformed by prayer. Those are the three big ideas of the series, that you know how to pray, that you're motivated to pray, and that you have your life transformed by prayer. The two goals of today's message to try to get you there um, are these. Here's the first thing I want to show you today. I want to help you learn how to develop the practice of prayer in your life. We've talked about a model prayer. We'll talk about that again in a minute. But I want to show you, like, what does it look like to have a prayer life? Hezekiah shows us that today. A lot of us have been practicing prayer. Every morning at 21 days of prayer, we've got seven days left. I really want to challenge you. If you haven't been yet, take a morning this week. Either join us online or come and be here in person live, 6 to 7 a.m. Monday through Friday, Saturday, 9 to 11. Get to at least one of the 21 days of prayer because that's where you practice learning how to pray. We want you to learn the practice of prayer. And then number two, I want to show you the power of prayer. I don't know that there's any better chapter in the entire Bible that shows us the power of prayer than what we're going to learn today from Hezekiah. So we want to learn how to develop the practice of prayer. How do I, how do I pray? Not what do I pray, but how do I pray? And then I want to talk to you about the power of prayer. The title of our Bible study week one was when you pray. The title of last week's Bible study was when you don't pray. The title of today's Bible study is Because You Prayed. And we're going to see God's power when people pray because prayer brings power. Before we dig into God's word, we always like to ask God to open our hearts. Would you pray with me here and in our video teaching service? If you're watching online, bow your heads. Take a deep breath if you would. Some of you once again this week forgot to do that. You should do it every now and then. And if, and if, and if you'd be willing to, Just whisper this prayer from your heart to heaven. Ask God to speak to you today and tell you what he wants you to hear. God, that's our prayer. As we meet our new spiritual mentor, Hezekiah, today, use his life to show us how we can learn how to pray and experience power through prayer. Teach us to pray, Lord, just as Jesus taught his disciples. We love you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name, and everyone said... Amen. Before we get to 2 Kings 19, I should give you a quick overview of 2 Kings chapter 18, but it's best to do it with a map. So so here's what was going on in 2 Kings chapter 19. Um, Israel had had a civil war. It was divided in two countries, the kingdom of Judah, the kingdom of Israel. In 722 BC, the Assyrian Empire, one of the strongest, most brutal empires in the history of the world, came down, conquered the kingdom of Israel, and either killed and removed all of the people of Israel to parts of the world, and they resettled it with Assyrians. Eight years later, they came down and they attacked the Philistine community because they wanted the seacoast. And after they got done defeating the Philistines, they decided to march on Jerusalem. They conquered Lachish, which was right here, 
And while the army was waiting at Lachish, the general sent a few of his commanders to Jerusalem to tell the people of Israel, you're next, but if you want, you can surrender. There's no need for us to kill everyone, but we will if we have to. So in 2 Kings 18, they stand outside the walls of Jerusalem and they say, hey, we're, we're in Lachish, 30 miles from Jerusalem. You're next. No one's ever been able to stand against this. If you surrender, you'll be okay. If you don't surrender, we're going to kill y'all. It's, it's going to be your decision. Kind of the secretary of state, the generals of the army that had gone out and had that uh, discussion with the kings of Assyria came back to King Hezekiah and they said, we're in trouble. Um, we're in trouble. They're, they're right outside and they're coming. What are we going to do? That's where we pick up in 2 Kings chapter 19, and here's what we read. When Hezekiah, when, Heze, when Hezekiah heard this, he tore his clothes, and he put on sackcloth, and he went into the temple of the Lord. He sent Eliakim, the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary, and the leading priest, all wearing sackcloth, to the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos. And they told him, this is what Hezekiah says, this day is a day of distress It's a day of rebuke. It's a day of disgrace as when children come to the moment of birth and there's no strength to deliver them. It may be that the Lord your God will hear all the words of the field commander whom his master, the king of Syria, has sent to ridicule the living God and that he will rebuke him for the words the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, pray for us. Pray that the remnant, pray for the remnant that still survives. Isaiah's answer, we're not going to read it. I'm going to summarize it for you with a picture again. Isaiah said this, tell Hezekiah, he's not going to have to worry about Assyria. Tell Hezekiah that the king of Cush, that's modern day Ethiopia, is going to march north and the king of Libna, which is here in kind of modern day Lebanon, is going to march south. They're going to think that they've got the Assyrian empire surrounded. One's going to march south, one's going to march north. And when he hears that they're coming, he's going to go back to Assyria Tell him he doesn't have to worry about it. He's going to be okay. I heard the prayer. He's going to be okay. And that is exactly what happened. But after the king left, he wrote a letter from Lachish and said, take this to Jerusalem. And basically, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, he said, I'll be back. Um, He said, like, I'm leaving now, but I'll I'll be back. And when I get back, you're going to surrender or you're going to die. That's where we pick up in verse 14. Hezekiah's just received the letter, and look what happens. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers... And he read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord, and he spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim. You alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the words of Sennacherib, that was the king of Assyria, that he sent to ridicule the living God. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations in their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord, our God, deliver us from his hands so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. Two goals today as we step into the day, of, uh, the day in the life of the King Hezekiah. One, we want to learn the practice of prayer. How do you pray? What, is it, what does it look like to have a prayer life? Two, I want to teach you about the power of prayer when you pray. Let's begin with number one, the practice of prayer. Let's talk about the practice of prayer. And, and let's, let's begin by admitting what I, what I think is true for most. Let's begin by admitting what I think is true for most. There are some things that happen in life where the only appropriate response is prayer. 
There are some phone calls, there are some text messages, there are some emails, there are some conversations, there are some diagnosis, there are some things that happen in our lives where it seems like the only appropriate response is prayer. Actually, nothing in human nature that we know is going to be able to help our issue. There are some things in life that happen where the only appropriate response is prayer. This was one of those. History tells us that the Assyrian Empire was one of the most brutal and powerful empires in the history of the ancient Near East. They were known, their signature, when Assyria would conquer a city, their signature was to behead all of the men, to skin their bodies, to sew the skin together in a cloth, and then to cover a mountain of heads with a blanket of skin outside the city so that when people passed, they knew Assyria had been there. That, that was their stamp. They were one of the most brutal empires in the history of the world. And when they showed up on your doorstep and said, surrender or die, you surrendered or died. That's, that's their story in secular history. And here they were outside the gates of Jerusalem, and they said, surrender or die. The first thing we see about prayer is what I call the, ver- the, the, the most frequent forms of Christian prayer. There's some things in life where the only appropriate response is, is prayer, and we see two ways that most Christians utilize prayer. Number one is a reaction. Oh boy, what are we going to do? We should pray. But number two is a request. Those are the two most frequent forms of prayer, probably in your life, in our church, in my life, when something happens that we deeply fear, that we're kind of jolted by in our spirit, the first thing we do is pray. The second thing we do is what Hezekiah did. Watch how this happens. The first thing we do is think, oh God, please help us. The second thing we do is we think, do we know anyone who might be closer to God than we are and could they talk to him too? So the, the first reaction we have, prayer is usually a reaction, not, a, not an action, a reaction. But then if we're smart, we're like, who else talks to God? And we ask them to pray too. I mean, go look on Facebook, go look on your social media, go look on your email account. People are trying to find people. If life is difficult, people who are praying usually do not pray alone. They try to find someone else who can pray too. And Hezekiah said, go find Isaiah. Like if God listens to anyone, it's him because we know God talks to him. Ask him to pray for. So these, by the way, are really good responses to prayer. Prayer should be our first reaction when things are big and they feel out of control. Um, Asking people to pray. Is an, is an appropriate reaction when things are big and out of control. I know too many Christians who want to pray on their own because they're embarrassed to ask somebody to pray and help them. But Hezekiah says, hey, go find someone else to pray for you while you pray. These are totally appropriate responses to prayer. But then we see something else, something extremely personal, something extremely practical. We see an example to follow. We can all react with prayer. We can't all go talk to Isaiah, but we can do what Hezekiah did. We can begin the practice of prayer. And we in this series have given you a structure for prayer. So if you don't know how to talk to God, take this outline, A-C-T-S, just fill it in with your heart and, and learn to begin to talk to God. But you say, what does that look like on an ongoing basis? What does it look like to begin the practice of prayer? Three things that we learned from Hezekiah today. Number one, having a prayer place. Number two, having a prayer posture. And number three, having a prayer journal. I want to talk to you about these three things just briefly. A prayer place. As soon as Hezekiah found out what happened, it said he went into the temple. Both times, he went to the same place. When they came the first time and said, we're 30 miles down the road, we're coming, he went to his place and he prayed. 
When he got the letter, he went to his place and he prayed. Let me, let me ask you this question. Do you have any place in your life that is holy ground? Like, is there any physical spot on planet Earth that you can point to and you can say, that's where I meet with God? Or better yet, that's where God met me. Do you have a place like that in your life? Remember Moses when he was talking to the burning bush and God said, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. Like, this is where you and I meet. Do you have any place in your life you would describe as holy ground? This week on the Activate podcast, I I talked to Pastor Brandon about a piece of carpet that when it is replaced in my house, I will cut out one of the pieces and keep it with me because that piece of carpet where I pray, I've had more experiences with the God of heaven on that piece of carpet than any place else on planet earth. Like they, you can throw away the carpet, but not that piece because that's holy ground. Where, where's your prayer place? Can you think back to any place in your life where you have prayed or even been prayed over where God has moved, where every time you get near that place, you think this is the place where God moved. For people who really have a prayer life, a strong prayer life, almost all of them have a place. They have a room, they have a chair, they have a, they have a corner of the basement. Where's the place you pray? Where's the place you meet God? For Hezekiah, it was, it was the temple, a prayer posture, a, a prayer posture. Here's what I mean by a, by a prayer posture. I mean settling in to talk to God. I think a prayer posture tells God that you're interested in dialogue, not just presenting your list of demands. And, and prayer sometimes can be that, that S, right? That supplication, presenting our list of demands. But settling in, whether it's on your knees, whether it's in your favorite chair, whether it's turning off the radio and praying on the way to work, maybe your prayer place is the driver's seat of your truck or your car that you take to work. A prayer posture, it says that Hezekiah spread out before the Lord. A prayer posture says, God, I'm, I'm settling in here now for a time of dialogue, for a time of relationship. This is not just a drive-by. I'm not ordering at the drive through window. Here's what I need from you. Where can I pick it up? I'm actually settling into this moment to talk to you. And then number three, a prayer journal. A prayer journal. It says that Hezekiah took something written and he laid it before God and said, I need your help with this. I think when we take time to put our prayers in a journal, we find ourselves praying more from our heart than from our headaches. Right? When we pray, when we're just praying off the top of our head, it seems like we're only praying through our headaches. God, I think I need your help with this, 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 and this. But when we sit down and we begin to say, okay, what in my life, looking at my life today, looking at my life tomorrow, looking at my life moving forward, Where are the areas that I really need God to walk with me in life? I think having a prayer journal really allows you to take time to put your heart down on something that will allow you to speak to God. Hezekiah shows us how to pray. We've given you a model prayer. We've given you a structure prayer. But if you want to develop a prayer life a year from now, you'll be able to say, this is where I pray. This is how I pray. This is the journal that I write my prayers in. If you have a prayer structure and you have a place and you have a posture, and you have a journal, I promise you, your prayer life will be rich. But you also need, number four, a prayer understanding. And I love how Hezekiah kind of moves this prayer, not just from a request, not just from a demand, but he shows us his understanding of talking to God. I I think it's really important that Christians understand what prayer is not. Because sometimes, sometimes we think God doesn't answer prayer, doesn't hear prayer, Sometimes we wonder how God could not be aware of things. Learn these three things about prayer. Number one, prayer does not alert God to your needs. He already knows about those. It just affirms your trust of him for those needs. 
Prayer is not a signal flare to God saying, hey, over here, God's already aware of you. He knows who you are. He knows where you are. He knows what's going on. So prayer isn't really a, hey, God, look at what's happening. Prayer is you stating to God, I know you see what's happening. And me talking to you is telling me that I trust you to do something about it. Number two, prayer doesn't remind God of your circumstances. As if he forgot between yesterday and today. Prayer restates your belief that he has power in those circumstances. You should not spend all your time filling God in on the details of things. He knows those. Prayer, though, is stating to God, God, I know you're aware of all these things, and I'm not how, sure how all these things are going to work, but God, my belief, I need you to know that I believe you see me, you know me, you care about me, and Lord, my, my prayer to you is just a discussion about what's going on, not a reminder about what's going on. And then number three, prayer doesn't tell God what he needs to do if, if it's proper. Prayer simply reveals your dependence on him to do something. So often we come to God with our agenda, thinking we just need God to pay attention, and then we give God kind of the, are you paying attention? Yes, no, here's how I will know. And God says, what's going on in your life? I see it, I know it. What I want is your trust. What I want is your belief that I'm gonna do something. And what I want, I want to do things my way because what I will do in your life through the way I'm working is more powerful than probably even what you're asking for. So prayer is a conversation with God. Not, it's not a reminder. It's not a, it's not a heads up. It's not a God, please see what's happening. It's a God, I know you see what's happening. I know you're in control of what's happening. And God, I really want you to use this in a powerful way. But ultimately, the most important thing we can receive from God in prayer is his attention to the fact that we want his action in our life to bring him glory. And this is where I believe too many prayers stop short. Because our prayers ultimately are not just for what we need to do, need God to do for us. Our prayers ultimately, if we pray all the way through, are what we need God to do for us so, so what we can do for God in return. Our prayers ultimately, if all your prayers are answered, should bring God glory. Look at how Hezekiah prayed, but specifically how he ended his prayer. Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord, the God of Israel, Enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. He's just stating the obvious. You've made the heaven and the earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. And then he says, here's my circumstance. It's true that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations and their lands. They've thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord, our God... Deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. These two words, so that, should end every prayer that you pray. And if they don't, you have not completed your prayer. Here's the key thought. If the tone of your prayer doesn't finish this way, God, I want you to do this so I can do this for you, It isn't necessarily because your prayers are wrong, but they might just be incomplete. If you can't end every prayer request with, God, I need this so that this will happen for you, you've not completed your prayer. And if you cannot put that on the end of your prayer, your prayer is way more about you than God. And James, who taught us a little bit about prayer last week, said those kind of prayers don't get answered. James actually says in James 4.3, when you ask, you don't receive. 
because you're asking with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You never end your prayers with so that God hears what you will get. So think about that. Hezekiah says, God, here's everything I need, but here's everything I need so that people will know more about you. So often we end our prayers with, this is everything I need. All right, in Jesus' name, amen. But we don't tell God, we don't pledge to God, we don't promise God. We really don't even think through, God, if you answer these prayers, here's what this will allow me to do so that your kingdom might come and your will might be done on earth as it is in heaven And either our prayers are all about us or we have just forgotten that everything God gives us is ultimately for him and for his glory and for his kingdom. Hezekiah's story teaches us the practice of praying. Gives us a good understanding of prayer that it's much more relational than than attention getting. And Hezekiah teaches us to finish our prayers to the glory of God. God, please do this so that here's what can happen for you. But we also learn number two in Hezekiah's story the power of prayer. So we learn the practice of prayer. Hezekiah teaches us everyone should have a prayer place. Where's your holy ground? Hezekiah teaches us that everyone should have a prayer posture. What is it that you do to really settle into dialogue rather than just a list of demands? Hezekiah says that powerful, uh, powerful prayer should be written prayer. There should be something written down that you hand before God. And Hezekiah teaches us that understanding that prayer ultimately has the hope of bringing God glory so that his kingdom might come and his will might be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hezekiah, knowing all that praise, and I don't know if you noticed this, but he prayed a 40-second prayer. I prayed it four or five times this week and timed it. He prayed a 40-second prayer. And when he said amen, Isaiah sent him a message. A 40-second prayer, and here was the message that Hezekiah was sent after the 40-second prayer. Look at verse, verse 20. We're gonna kind of walk through this. It says, then Isaiah, son of Amos, sent a message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I've heard your prayer concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria. This is the word that the Lord has spoken against him. I'll summarize. Here's what God said. I know Israel is really, really weak, but they're mine. And I know you're really, really strong, but you're a bully. So here's what I'm going to do. And he picks up in verse 27, he says, Israel's weak, but they're mine. And you're strong, but you're a bully. So here's what I'm gonna do. He said, I know where you are, and I know when you come and go, and I know how you rage against me. Because you rage against me, and because your insolence has reached my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth, and I will make you return by the way you came. This will be the sign for you, Hezekiah, This year you will eat what grows by itself, and the second year what springs from that. But in the third year, sow and reap, plant vineyards and eat their fruit. Once more, a remnant of the kingdom of Judah will take root below and bear fruit above. For out of Jerusalem will come a remnant, and out of Mount Zion, a band of survivors. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. He will not enter this city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with a shield or build a siege ramp against it. By the way that he came, he will return. He will not enter this city, declares the Lord. I will defend this city and save it for my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. That night, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, they were 
There were all dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. He returned to Nineveh, and I love this, and he stayed there. God said, hey, king of Assyria, you're fired. Go home. You're done. Get out of here. Like the Astros management. You're, like, you're, you're, you're gone. You got to go home. Find it interesting that Astros and Assyria both start with A and S. I don't know if it's a spiritual coincidence or no, but he's like, you're out. You're out. You're gone. You're gone and you ain't ever coming back because Israel is weak, but they're mine. And you're strong, but you're a bully. So here's what's going to happen. I know where you are and know what you're doing. And I ultimately control you and you are gone. However, here's why. Here's why. I love it in the New King James Version. In 2 Kings 19.20, here's what Isaiah says. I, I believe it's one of the most powerful prayer verses in all of Scripture. Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, and he said, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, because you prayed, because you prayed, a 40-second prayer and 185,000 soldiers were killed, and the most powerful king in the world went home and never came back, and within 100 years, his entire kingdom would be destroyed. Isaiah said, let me tell you why that happened, because you prayed. The key question for today, really for this series, for your lifetime is going to be this. What in your life story is different because you prayed? I mean, that, that, that really is the goal of this series, that your life story would be different because you prayed. What can you think of in your life story that was going one way and then it turned and went another way because you prayed? I've got hundreds of stories I could share. I got an email this week from a couple in our church that had a because you prayed story that as I read it, I thought, man, this is, this is a because you prayed story. This is about a pledge for our Difference Makers campaign. Pastor Christian, we wanted to share with you what the Lord did for us while praying because you prayed about the Difference Maker Challenge. While leaving church one Sunday morning after the challenge launch, my husband turned to me in the car and stated he felt the Lord was showing him that we were to commit $15,000. I must honestly and quickly say here, I was not on the same page. Nevertheless, we agreed to go to prayer about it and seek him and what his will was for us in this issue. During this time, I started reading the book of Nehemiah and I began to understand how important the rebuilding of the temple was not only to God's people, but to him. Through prayer and God's word, my heart received by faith what was being shown to my husband and I believed that God would provide. I was ready to commit to the challenge. The following week, we received a letter from someone who had borrowed money from us back in 2007. It was quite a substantial amount of money, and through a series of hardships and bad decisions, this person had been unable to pay us back. In his letter to us, he explained his current situation, which was better than had been in several years, but still not to the point where he could pay us off. However, he did ask if we'd be willing to take a lesser payoff amount of, you guessed it, $15,000. Five days later, we received the check, and the following Sunday, we were able to give our pledged amount in full because you prayed. How many stories in your life have changed because you prayed? Because that is the point of this entire series, that, that you would begin to pray. That as you prayed, message number one, your heart would begin to become like the heart of Jesus. That as you pray, message number two, you'd really begin to understand God's wisdom. You'd really begin to experience God's peace. But as you prayed, because you prayed, that you would begin to experience God's power. 
things that you just cannot explain outside of God working because you prayed. You began to experience God's power. See, the goal of today's message, really simple. Learn the practice of prayer. How do, how do you pray? Find a place. Get on your knees. Find a posture. Start writing down your prayers. Understand it's all about a relationship with God and that answered prayers should all do something for God from you. But then ultimately sit back and watch God's power come to your life. On Friday at 21 Days of Prayer, one of our student interns, Riley Clary, had an opportunity to speak. She didn't get to speak live. We got iced out on Friday like many of you, so we pre-recorded her message. And she said something that I don't think I'll ever forget. She'd just been to the Passion Conference, and God was really putting on her heart. The 21 Days of Prayer for her was teaching her how to have the daily discipline of meeting with God. And she said this. She said, I never have to question. I never have to question whether or not God is ready to meet with me. But I have to question every day whether or not I will meet with him. You say, man, Christian, I, man, I really want the power of God in my life. You have to pray. Because Isaiah told Hezekiah, when you pray, God begins to move. But you have to pray. James, again, such a good teacher to us in prayer, says it this way. Come near to God, and he'll come near to you. Because you prayed, God dispatched his power from heaven into your life. And because you prayed, things became different. Folks, when the phrase, because you prayed, is a part of your story, God's power is a part of your story. We get a sneak peek today of how to pray, find a place, find a posture, get a journal, understand, answer prayers, should bring, bring God glory, but then just pray. Even if you only pray 40 seconds a day, 40 seconds can be a pretty powerful prayer. If you'll pray, because you pray, God sends his, prayer, his power to our hearts, our lives, and our situations, and our stories. Would you pray with me as we consider what we learned today? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. God, we thank you for the faith in the example of Hezekiah today. God, we know there are some things in life that happen where the only appropriate response is prayer. With heads bowed and eyes closed, but hearts open, if you're in one of those scenarios. Something has happened in life and really the only appropriate response is to pray. If you're going through one of those right now, pray. Right now, right where you are, not out loud, but just in your heart. Tell them, God, I'm facing a battle I don't think I can win. God, I'm facing an enemy I don't think I can defeat. God, I think I'm facing a future that is very uncertain. There's some things in life where the only appropriate response is prayer. When those happen, pray. God knows your needs, but tell him anyway because your prayer is a sign of your faith that you trust him. God knows your circumstances, but tell him anyway because your prayer is a sign of your belief that he cares. And tell him if he answers your prayer, it will be so that you can leverage that answered prayer for his glory and his kingdom. Always complete your prayers with God. If you will answer this, here's what it will allow me to do for your kingdom and how you created me. God, teach us to pray 
Because when we pray, your power is a part of our stories. Teach us to pray. Send your power as an answer. If you will do that, Lord, our lives will tell a story of who you are so that people in our community might know you like we know you. That's our prayer. We pray that you'll answer it today in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen. Amen.